0: Welcome to The Brand Called You. The brand we are talking to today is Deepak Shinoi. Deepak is the founder and CEO of Capital Mind. He previously founded two other companies, Agni Software and Money Yoga. He's a pioneer in algo and systematic trading, as well as a very credible, highly rated voice on investments. Welcome to the show, Deepak.
1: Thanks, Andeep. Great to be here.
0: Well, Let's kick off. What is Capital Mind? What do you do there?
1: So I, I mean, I founded Capital Mind roughly uh, eight years ago now. So it's 2022 and uh, it was 2014 when I I founded uh, the company. It was primarily a research oriented firm around how to help retail investors in India make investments in capital markets, both stocks and bonds uh, or fixed income markets. Uh, relatively speaking, most research was focused on um, institutional investors. So a lot of the more complex data-based investment research, uh, where you crunch numbers, you come out with uh, the kind of visualizations that will help you make appropriate investment decisions. All of them were available to institutional investors, perhaps, but not so much to retail. And I was under at least confident uh, fairly that India would move to be a larger market uh, from a retail investor side and India has always been one. So over a period of time, as our research was consumed by a lot of our subscribers, many of them came to us and said, why don't you actually manage money rather than just Mm -hmm. tell us what's good and what's not good. So we said, okay, let's let's apply for a license. We got a uh, license with SEBI uh, that allows us Indian regulator. That allows us to invest uh, uh, customer money into uh, stocks and mutual funds and bonds and so on and this uh, license is kind of uh, you know we started with from scratch we didn't uh, we, we kind of innovated in the fact that we because I'm a, a software engineer by qualification I had to think of everything saying let's build the software the right way and we started building a lot of the tech ourselves built the entire back-end tech on our own so that our entire PMS, which is the portfolio management service, is actually something which is powered by a technology that will, that is uh, homegrown, including you know fund management, including automated trading, including customer uh, 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 customer uh, facing uh, platforms. So our entire customer applications written by us, and we kind of tweak it in different ways. To allow customers to see a lot more data than most other companies in the space might do, um, and we've built it slowly. Now it's gone to about uh, grown to about a thousand crores, which is about a hundred and twenty-five million dollars uh, right now. Uh, small for the U.S. perhaps, but reasonable size for India. Uh, yeah, probably still so
0: that is a combination of uh, research and assets under management in PMS.
1: Uh, only the assets under management in PMS. So we have another thousand five hundred rows under an advisory layer where uh, a, a certain family offices uh, uh, ask us to help manage their money, but we don't actually manage it. We only advise on it. So that's about a thousand five hundred rows apart from this. And uh, the research is, of course, just customer based. So we don't know how many assets will run on it. So that uh, that's about you know that's a fair uh, that's a different business by itself. We call that capital mind premium. But it's a
0: subscription model for your research consumption,
1: right? Yes, Yes. a subscription Uh, model.
0: So how uh, uh, is it? uh, Tell us a bit about, you know, what kind of people consume this? Because we see obviously um, different segments in the market. Are these the new age millennials? Are these the experienced investors? What is the mix of people you are focused on?
1: So in the PMS, we've actually now scaled to a point where we have a lot of all types. So there are the new age uh, investors, the first time entrepreneurs, the first time uh, investors in stock markets in the sense that they've come from modest beginnings, built their careers over time, built a certain amount of assets, figured out that this is not something that they can manage on their own. And then they want an experienced fund manager to manage, manage it for them. And that's when we come in. Uh, there's also people who have a considerable amount of wealth, who've given us a small portion of their wealth to manage because they like the way we manage things, which is a little different from what others do. So um, that's the that's another set of crowd. There's a very large amount of crowd that is, uh, well, I don't think we'd call them millennials. Very few people who are probably under 30 years of age, but um, they're the 30 to 60 or 30 to 50 kind of age group which is Mm -hmm. when you've just finished paying up for your house, uh, you've got this excess disposable income now, uh, but you don't want to spend it. You want to save it. You want to create wealth in the longer term. That's the profile of most of the customers. But now we've seen, you know, even some millennials, some really uh, even people who have retired and have wealth uh, that they want to kind of just grow because they don't need that kind of money anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as in their fixed income takes care of all their expenses, so they just want some part of their assets to just grow over the long term. So we've seen all so- all sides of the spectrum, and then of course right. we've uh, um, I think a lot more people now are uh, because we don't use any distributors; we directly sell to our customers. Mm-hmm. There are people who actually like that form of direct interaction with uh, uh, the fund managers rather than it being two steps removed and therefore uh, you know getting a very different view of investments because a distributor typically represents three or four such investment houses so also oh, oh,
0: you don't use any distributor everything is directly sold
1: everything is directly sold so we've been oh, so direct, that must be a
0: lot of one on one calls by you huh
1: uh it started off that way but now the team's uh, quite empowered so um, uh, it's kind of fascinating to see earlier i would know every single customer's name out of talk to them uh, now uh, the growth happens, you know, without having to have me talk to them. And sometimes uh, I find out that someone has invested afterwards, even if they know me, they tell me, mm-hmm. you know, no, your team took care of it, you know? So mm-hmm. I was like, wow, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is uh, this is pretty interesting. But, you know, That's I good. guess growth pangs <clears throat> and growth, uh, you know, surprises come along as well. So
0: it's, it's institutionalized now. That's great. Um, we've just gone through one of, a nicest bull markets where a lot of people came into uh, the market because you know it was going up 25 30 percent year on year. How do you see uh, the market changing? But even now, India is severely underpenetrated in terms of exposure to capital markets, exposure to equities. How do you see that changing and at what pace?
1: so i mean sandeep if you look at the overall structure of the market and i you know we've worked together at uh, STA as well and from the time then that was about 11 years well more than 11 or 12 years ago to now a few factors are kind of surprising so one is in 2009 to 2010 or roughly that time the volumes you saw on the market uh, are roughly about maybe a little more than half the market volumes you see today in the cash markets. So that's the cash markets haven't even grown as much as GDP. That means buying stocks uh, that you will take into your DMAT account uh, every day. That market hasn't grown any meaningful way even though the GDP has grown 4x and so many more investors have come to the market and so on.
0: Hmm.
1: Sorry. It is largely the uh, 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 futures and options markets that have grown quite tremendously. So if you look at the hmm overall spectrum, it's the derivatives markets that have really, really grown. And the cash markets are relatively small. On the other hand, you've seen a lot more institutional investors. So institutional investments have more than, I think, they've gone about four times or four and a half times in the same time. So people have chosen different vehicles, uh, whether it is pension funds or uh, uh, insurance uh, uh, accounts or, or mutual funds. The uh, separate set of accounts, the the, the uh, investing vehicles have actually changed quite tremendously. So I think that way, India is in a very interesting place in the sense of it's changing the financialization. You're moving away from real assets, which is real estate and gold, as a percentage of total saving on financial assets. Now, uh, this is actually very, very, very raw in the sense that uh, we're probably growing... Uh, into the financialization that probably the US saw in the 1950s or 60s. Uh, It's it's that far behind. But India has always had a traditional love for real estate and gold. So it's going to be very difficult to extricate that away from the investing part of the process. So uh, it's, it's slowly rising, but every percentage point that it rises it increases the amount of investments in India by a fairly significant number because it's so small. So less than Mm -hmm. 3% of Indians own stocks at all directly. Mm -hmm. Uh, India's mutual fund penetration is about 15% of GDP. Mm -hmm. Uh, America is 125%. Brazil is like 60%. So so India is like 15%. China is also 15% and uh, um, uh, even the next... Biggest, I think, developing economy is also. I mean, the next ec- uh, uh, economy that's close to us is just twenty-five percent. So they are still significantly higher than us. So in that context, the the penetration is low. It's growing. It's also becoming easier and easier because the regulators have actually broken down a lot of the earlier, um, let us say, um, inefficiencies in the market. So, for instance, you you if you invested in a mutual if you invest in a mutual fund today. You could do it off of a mobile phone in a minute. It just takes a quick transfer. You have instant account transfers using UPI. You can use this to instantly invest in mutual fund in anyone's name as long as you just have uh, a PAN number, which is your tax account number, and an Aadhaar number, which is equivalent to an SSN in the US. It's just a form of identification and address proof. So just taking these two, even electronically, you could open an account, quickly invest, start a process that not just invest once, it could invest over a period of say uh, uh, five or six months called a systematic investment plan, SIP. This is the fastest growing part of the Indian investment landscape by the way, the SIP concept. So many new people are coming in because it stretches the investment over months rather than all at once. That uh, uh, That part of the business is fueling most of whatever fund flows are coming into mutual funds in India. So, this has mm-hmm. also become easier. Uh, PMSs like ours, we have a limitation, a minimum of 5 million rupees or 50 lakh rupees is what you need to even start an account with us. This is uh, fairly large because the average per capita income in India is probably of the order of uh, 120,000 rupees. So, it's reflectively 50. You need to have a wealth which is 50 times India's per capita income. Just to open an account with us so okay. it's uh you know it's it's really uh large in that p- perspective but we are uh, you know account managers at one level and there's a bunch of uh, others uh, uh you know there are other kinds of investment vehicles as well the market's very very nascent in the next maybe five to seven years i expect this market to grow up 3x uh, grow around three times and even then it will only be 25 percent of gdp so and will it be
0: driven free. by education and demand generation or will it be driven by selling and distribution power
1: this is a very good question i think selling and distribution power have their um have have their place uh, because india still happens to be largely you know very well spread out so the different techniques work for different people and in the financial business largely people do require some hand holding at least initially. But I see a good portion of this growth come from two sectors of the market. First, investors who started now and have probably gone through this journey till now. There will be bear markets and people who get scared and run away and then new ones that come in. But over time, as they realize how easy it is to get information about investing and uh, are able to make informed decisions without... Uh, having to go to an advisor. So you could get the information on your own. You could compare returns. You could compare portfolios. You could compare strategies. You could understand how fund managers think directly. Earlier, the distributor carried the message saying the fund manager is thinking like this. Now you go to YouTube and you can see the video of every single fund manager about what they're thinking. Many of them are interacting on podcasts, Twitter spaces, uh, and the like. So you can actually do a one-on-one connect. So the distribution mechanism has become more social media and uh, direct oriented. And no matter who you are, you're going to have to do this. Either you're a fund manager in the largest mutual fund in the country, or you're a small fledgling fund manager like us. Uh, I think the direct connect with the customer is not, uh, you know, nice to have. It's a must have in tomorrow's world. So I think that part of it will become, uh, you know, it will spread education, no doubt, but it will also say that, listen, I I want to be here because I like what this person is saying and doing and thinking and investing. Um, Mm -hmm. The secondary attribute of all of this is the fact that people will have or have significantly larger amounts of disposable incomes Mm -hmm. among the top 5 to 10% of India. And pretty much the top 5 to 10% of India is all of India's economically realizable value. When I say Mm -hmm. that, I mean, the rest of it is great, but they live Uh, on such small uh, income and spending patterns, that you don't really count them as a big investor today. Some of them Mm -hmm. will grow, of course, the middle class will keep saving and become upper middle class as we go along. But I still think that 10% will only become 15% to 20% in the next 10 years. So Mm -hmm. it will, uh, they will not be there will be some uh, people will save more, but not necessarily that much more people will come. Uh, uh, So you know that's that's how I think of the market, but I see this growth also coming on the back of the um, the relative ease by which you can get your money in and out. So is earlier the it reforms that six. have been
0: done through UPI, through uh, Aadhaar-based investments, and digitization of the whole
1: process. Yeah, exactly. And the one statistic here, Sandeep, is that U.S. people don't keep their money in fixed deposit with banks, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they keep their money in money market funds. In India, money market funds tend to yield more. In fact, government treasuries yield more than any fixed deposit with a bank. Mm. Uh, In fact, more than what mutual funds get from uh, the money markets also sometimes, but Mm -hmm. still people invest in fixed deposits which are tax hampered because you pay tax as soon as you receive any income versus money market funds, where your tax uh, is only paid when you exit the money, exit the mm. funds. So uh, even though your tax disadvantaged in a fixed deposit, you prefer to use vehicles like fixed deposits rather than uh, money market funds. So that education, when it comes in and debt is a market, which is 10 X the size of equity worldwide. So you mm. can get, you're going to get a lot more people starting to look at money market funds or uh, debt funds or even direct government securities, for which the mm. RBI has opened a, a, a facility for retail to invest directly, much the same as the way you can buy treasury securities from the treasury uh, uh, directly. So you can buy here from the RBI. But I think this part is where you know the 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 financialization and the information gap is being filled very very fast. So in the next ten years, I expect that part of the market also to grow.
0: I see. What do you think of algo trading?
1: Oh, yeah, this is, of course, I think we're both <laughs> on the same side of this. So, I mean, you, of course, you ran India's first, I think, algo trading uh, hedge fund, which uh, or you run, you continue to run it. And I was, you know, fortunate enough to work with you, work for you for a while at that time. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the concept is obviously very attractive, uh, both high frequency and relatively low frequency uh, algo trading. You said you
0: execute everything through software. So in some sense, you are using algorithms, at least for execution.
1: Yes. So we figured that after a while, when we have so many customers that add money or you get dividends that have to be redeployed every day, trying to do anything manually, of course, all the allocations and the trade sheet generation. So whatever we need to trade every day, that's anyway generated by our software. We said, let's Mm -hmm. take a step forward and splice the orders so that they can be spread over the trading day, hunt for volume, whenever there's more volume, find uh, the appropriate price to buy them so that humans don't have to make those errors and re- reduce the fat finger errors on, you know, sometimes you might buy when you want to sell. Um, yeah. And and so we programmed, uh, uh, built algorithms. In fact, this is very recent because it was not easily uh, available earlier to retail investors.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: since we weren't a broker, we were using a third party broker. They didn't provide us the APIs for a while, and then now that we have an API set, and we actually confirmed with Sebi that we have, they have no problem with us doing this. Uh, so we we now execute on a uh, uh, you know automated basis. So it, we call it automated trading and not algorithmic trading because while the algorithm generates what we need to buy, it's still weighted ret- ret- by a fund manager, who then mm-hmm. says, well, this is this is what needs to be uh, this is what's the yes, portfolio today. And yeah. that portfolio is then you know oh okay so if this is the portfolio what do we buy and sell for each customer uh, put that into a trade sheet before we automated the actual execution of trades we would a trader would actually trade these manually you know in a screen. Sure. We're uh, okay, so using algorithms
0: them. to reduce the manual work, but yes. not as much for decision making. Yeah.
1: Yes. So we're not directly so we uh, we've uh, experimented with that as well. So mm-hmm. I think much, of course, the idea here is uh, uh, the markets themselves throw in opportunities that you may not be able to catch with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though you know that this may be a low frequency thing, it may happen once a day, once an hour, mm-hmm. you know, but it might happen because of mispricing or opportunistic uh, uh, trading by some other participants who have skewed the values uh, of, of prices that can be, right. say, either arbitraged or in certain cases, just opportunity. I want to buy a stock, but I don't want to buy it bill if it don't if it if it is too high. But sometimes right. prices fall, and sometimes they fall intraday yeah. to ranges which we like. So we just kind of figure that out and say, okay, well, this is the, Still, this is the a target
0: price or an expected price. Expected.
1: And you yes. know, yes. India doesn't have the depth of the U.S. market, so you don't have no. all the instruments that you do. But here, you do yeah. have. Uh, a bunch of very similar traded instruments, whether it is stocks or futures and options. Now, we don't do futures and options. But uh, I think within stocks itself, there's enough opportunities. Uh, the latest, for instance, is that ETFs that are traded in India, there yes. were opportunities where ETFs would trade as much as 10% away from their net asset value. Mm. So we could actually buy ETFs in the market, uh, and then uh, redeem them from the Asset management company directly, uh, saying that listen, your uh, prices are way off. Uh, we'd like to redeem from you at the NAV. So you make a right. fairly good spread. Of course, that's come down. It's no longer available. But um, uh, you know, even that was available, and that's a you know a easy way to do algorithmic trading. If you if you find these opportunities, uh, and then you can you can build them out. So I think you know. The word is vilified in certain cases saying that, oh my God, are computers taking away the jobs? Are they going to do the trading themselves? What if something rogue comes over and takes over the world? But I think those are these, uh, you know, Netflix series conversations rather than, you know, (laughs) real... So if you really want the money, it's going to be very boring. It's going to be just a bunch of numbers that seem to come across, and that's what uh, machines are built for, and which mach- machines do best. So maybe we should just train yeah. the machines to do it for us.
0: Yeah. Um, what about crypto?
1: Is okay, it part that, of
0: asset allocation? On what capital mind looks at?
1: Well, we have a zero capital allocation to crypto, and a we can't because India doesn't uh, have the. Mm. Debt, but I personally find it uh, unattractive now i i know this is not popular but the reason i find it un- unpopular is more uh, from the way it is constructed i think the philosophical th- concept that a currency will come in and it will be usable across the landscape um with no interference from central banks who've done this all the time. And they will allow that, that countries will allow an alternate currency in the end to take over the financial world. I think I find that a little different. So I think Mm. at some point there is going to be an upper limit to growth. Uh, Mm. And a large amount of this growth is also speculative. So unfortunately, because there's no regulator or anything of that sort, whatever scams we've seen in the real financial world in in stock markets, bond markets, in the past, you're seeing those entire set of scams play around. People who pull rugs were earlier. On, yeah, they it's just—it's just like, oh, what's next? This is what's going to happen next, and so you 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 entice people to invest, and then you see people going in, and then you pull the rug from under them by selling your stuff before theirs. So all of this stuff is is happening in the crypto world. So. A large part of it seems to be like a little haze and, you know, good products might, for instance, not even realize that the good part of them is embodied in a part of code that is unintentionally leveraged too much. So you Mm -hmm. have these products that say, well, if you give me one crypto coin, I'll give you another one and we'll balance it in an algorithmic way. So automated market making, for instance, I think Mm -hmm. it's a great concept. I, I love the concept. But I think there are flaws in the the delivery mechanism that currently exists where Mm -hmm. you could actually if you had enough resources trick the algorithms to selling you some assets at a very very low price because they're designed to do so and you know Mm -hmm. the algorithm and so if you uh, drop the price of one asset the other asset price will also drop correspondingly just to balance it gives Mm -hmm. you the ability to buy the second one and the first one you Kind of counter just because there's something else in the background. So we've seen a lot of currency pairs actually fail this way. Um, uh, in a sense, something that is relatively new comes in and, you know, a startup that kind of says, okay, we'll, we'll back this up by a certain level. We saw a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, automated market making issues, which where the problem was that there was a limit to number of new coins on one side that they could issue. So once mm-hmm. somebody figured that out, it was just like, oh, what, what, what's it going to take to bring them to that limit? And then mm-hmm. after that, just keep pummeling the price down. Suddenly the the whole thing goes bust. I forget the name of the coin, but, you know, the the, met, the the concepts are fascinating, but it's just human behavior that seems to be embodied in the code right now. It's going to take mm-hmm. its time to come to maturity. But, mm-hmm. you know, overall, I, I find the promise of it alluring, but I think the the the, you know, the actual eventual usage of it will be far less um, useful. So promising,
0: but not uh, investable right now.
1: I don't, I mean, I don't like it. I like it from a speculative investment point. I think it's a great speculative asset because it moves so fast, you can make some enormous amounts of money. that way. But if you try to use it as a currency, or if you try to use it as a store of value at some point, That's where I get very jittery, because I think speculative profits can and should be made, but converted to the currency that you actually spend in.
0: Sure. Understood. Let's change gears, Deepak. Talk about your personal life. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? You know, what were the childhood influences that shaped you to become this financial guru that you have (laughs) become?
1: Actually, it's very strange because I was not I was probably, okay, so my, I grew, I was born in a village in Karnataka, uh, my mother's from from a village, and my father's from another village fairly close by, but my father was a banker and he had a transferable job that uh, made him stay in one place for about three to four years at a time, so I uh, spent a lot of my childhood in the north, so I grew, grew up from my third standard to my 10th standard in Delhi, um, where, uh, you know, all south indians were madrasis so uh, <laughs> i don't know if they still are but you know i was i was always madrasi because of the the nature of the word uh, uh, and to people who don't know madras is a city or uh, the old name of a city that is in uh, South India, but it's only one city. There, there are a lot of cities in South India. I come from a very different part.
0: A lot of but, states to begin with. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so so I um, I mean, I grew up in Delhi. So a lot of the influences I had, my since my father was a banker, I was exposed to understanding a little bit of finance, very little because I don't think my father would talk too much about it. But as his eyesight started to weaken he would ask me to read out the prices of stocks that you could find in a newspaper. And mm. that's how I knew there was a stock market whose prices changed. That's pretty much how all old I knew. were you
0: at that time?
1: I was probably 11, 12, 11 to 15. Ah. But that's the mm. each time that I kind of uh, would read this out to him, and he'd be like, okay, that's great, that's great. And, uh, you know, I was least interested in the stock market. I I mm. couldn't care if markets went up or down. All I knew was there were numbers and they would change. There were lots of numbers in brackets. Mm. Uh, I could probably tell you what they mean now, but at that time, no idea at all and uh, um, I did my after I finished my school and childhood you know the only thing that I was good good at was math which is uh, you know in India you had only two degrees. Uh, that you could pursue you could either become a doctor or an engineer and everybody else was oh this poor fellow couldn't get a doctor or engineering seat somewhere and therefore he became you know a philosophy major or whatever it is mm-hmm. and uh, you know now the professions are more respected where you could be a cricketer for instance or a sportsman it would be a good thing but at that time a sportsman was just somebody well you know he wasn't very good at academics so he had to take up sports right. and all that so i because i was good at math there was naturally uh, uh a, a move towards engineering as you know a goal that you had to do so uh after my 12th standard and interestingly when i had when my 12th standard was on i had no idea about this there was the big crash of 1992 this was mm-hmm. uh, uh, during my 12th right time. after
0: liberalization
1: Light of and in fact, uh, uh, the markets apparently had crashed 40, 50% around that time. This is right around the time I was giving my final exams. And I mean, I had no idea this was happening. And um, uh, later that year, I joined a college, uh, a, which, was, which is again in Karnataka in the south of India, in uh, the western coast of uh, Karnataka which uh, was very interesting because it exposed me to computer science and I was mm-hmm. uh, I was I was doing my uh, bachelor's in computer science I learned about computers I fell in love with the concept of being able to build stuff using code so we mm-hmm. wrote a lot of I I would you know would work nights and do crazy stuff in the night of course not uh, a college is a college so there was not as much studying as one would expect but mm-hmm. this one of the passions i figured that came out of this was uh, um, uh, strangely, uh, uh, you know, computer science and actually building applications using code, and a love for uh, public speaking. So I figured that out towards the end of my uh, uh, end of my you know college years that I actually like being on stage. I like talking uh, in public settings, uh, but I wasn't too keen. I mean, it wasn't something that I thought of as would be useful in my life at all. But it turns out it has been uh, uh, quite interestingly so post that I started my um, uh, you know I was I was always uh, so my father's been a career banker or had been and I, he would tell me and I would you know I was always interested in starting my own business and he would tell me mm-hmm. this is like don't work for someone uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of your life try to build something that's yours and uh, then you can do great things with it and I think over time, I was also too keen on that. In fact, my father suggested, why don't you not take a job after college and just go start your own thing? And and I said, no, dad, I have no idea how companies work. I I don't even know the first thing about business. Uh, I knew there was a concept called accounting because we had to study it, but it was so weird that I almost failed in it. Uh, So, you know, I was like, I was not keen to do things in the finance world at all. So um, after a couple of years of working for some companies in Bangalore in the software so in Bangalore, you know, this is the time when um, there would be signboards. I mean, this is us making a joke about it, saying trespassers will be recruited. <laughs> because right. IT companies were hiring people who could even spell the word computer. Hmm. It was, it was, it was a case where you know one IT company would come and say, How many students do you have? We had 315 in any you know given year. They say, can we take all of them? And mm-hmm. we say, no, 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 you have to like, you know. So there was one company that took 140 and another company that took 80. So by, you know, by day three, you were done. You And this was almost unheard of. My college would, you know, would have day 15 of, right. of interviews and stuff like that. By, But here, you know, we were like the first or second batch to actually get this massive uh, hiring that was happening everywhere. And we all got our little... Uh, you know designations of a junior engineer or something, which, which got into some. So uh, it was all a variety of service companies, largely serving the U.S. So when I started my first job, within three months, I was sent to the U.S. Uh, for, for to meet a customer for a three-month period. I had to figure out certain software yeah. pieces and so on. That's my first exposure to the U.S. as well, and uh, uh, it was it was Boston in winter, so I wasn't very impressed with the cold. <laughs> Yeah. I've been mean, in India, even the coldest of cold in Delhi does not become equal to the, you know, yeah. the crazing, raving, lunatic kind of cold that you can get in Boston. So, uh, and this was a town about 50 miles off of Boston. So it's, it was not even, uh, you know, so it was, it was a small, really small town. So I was working there. It was a lot of fun actually in the, in the initial days, because you, you only seen this stuff in the movies, but then right. when you uh, actually, come there. It's 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 just a lot different. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, there are great things and there are things that you don't think would be, um, uh, uh, you know, true of the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I was particularly, uh, for instance, in, even in in the extreme cold, uh, uh, sometimes in India, at least at that time, relatively easy to get some form of public transport from one place to the other. The U.S. is almost not built for public transport for the most. Yeah, part, yeah,
0: so. no, driving is big here.
1: Yeah, driving, and I wasn't driving, so uh, that was a complex, complicated part for sure. me. But sure. interestingly, uh, post that, I started my first company. Um, sorry, I'm just taking too long, am I? If I'm. Yeah,
0: no, I think uh, we. I wanted to bring you back, so so obviously, big influence of your dad. Uh, he's the one who prompted you very interestingly, even before you were ready to start your own business. Um, that's uh, that's fantastic. Tell me, what was the most significant, memorable, single advice that you remember uh, you received from someone that changed your view or or your path?
1: Well, I would have to think about this because I think, um, you know, I have this um, unfortunate problem of not uh, remembering too many things or making too many heroes. So it's that Turner, Tina Turner thing of we don't need another hero. Uh, and mm-hmm. we don't need to know the way home. So it's almost like I have said, okay, you can't have unlimited heroes. So everybody's a hero in some way. Warren Buffett is, and so on. But they're mm-hmm. not like the only heroes you have, or the only people you look yeah. up to. A lot of people, including you, have inspired me in my journey. All oh the my way. God. It's, uh, it's been yeah. You you've built many successful businesses, and I don't think uh, uh, you know. I would uh, say that I was not inspired by you at all. I would I drew a lot of inspiration from, uh, from you as well. But one of the things that a person has said, who is not a person I've worked with, and this is, this is the, uh, this is relatively benign because it's probably not life-changing for a lot of people. But uh, to me, it's, it's it's the essence of anyone who is in financial markets and perhaps in life as well. He said, uh, his name is Joy He was. Uh, I think the person who was the CEO of uh, Kolkata Knight Riders, which is a cricket IPL team in uh, Mm -hmm. in, in India and uh, an old friend. And he told me this angels can fly because they take themselves lightly.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, you know, since then it's been, it's, it's been a life-changing event for me uh, Mm. that, that the thought process of saying, well, you know, you don't have to take yourself seriously. You can change your mind. You don't have to be right all the time. You, uh, because you come just from... One
0: second. Yeah, fortunate. I normally turn it off, you don't get calls, but yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, so the that, 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 that statement in itself, and, you know, there's another thing and um, this is not that's an, a, that's
0: an interesting advice for you to remember, because being a financial guru, who's advising people, how do you take yourself lightly?
1: You and that's the important point. Because in your interview, I don't know is an actually a very good answer. Hmm. Because it forces you to understand uh, that you don't know enough about something. You can right. only make conjectures. And right. most of these conjectures are wrong. I'll give you an example of how crazy it is. I, I saw a podcast of uh, David Rubenstein, I think, uh, who yeah. was, uh, of Carlisle. And yeah. it was in uh, March 29th of this year. And he, he actually said that, listen, I think Russia is losing this war. And Putin has to make a truce within a month. Otherwise, he's finished. Hmm. This is a person who runs a $300 billion company. It's hmm. not a small one. And uh, the war is still on. It's October. So Uh, It is, it is actually that it's not that he said it and that he's wrong. Oh my God, he's wrong. But the point is, you have to take such statements lightly, even if you make the statements yourself, you can't be like, listen, I said that. So my God, am I wrong? If you can't change on a dime, if you can't turn on a dime, uh, you're not going to be a great investor uh, at some point. And at yeah. some point, you're not going to be a great human being either, because you have some principles, you got to live with it. Like, you know, murder is evil. And no matter what you do, murder is evil. But uh, you can't have that level of uh, things that are purely opinion otherwise. So you you have to be willing to change your mind. Don't statement. be a fanatic
0: about anything. Yeah.
1: yeah That's I mean, good and, advice. And you If you don't, if you hold, take yourself too seriously, you'll right. stop doing things. There was a Line in Finding Nemo by um, uh, so Marlon is looking for his son Nemo and he says, I can't find him, I'm distressed and distraught. And Dory, who's another fish, asks him, Why are you so distraught? Uh, so Marlon says, I promised his mom I won't let anything ever happen to him. So she thinks a bit and she says, Well, if you don't let anything happen to him, then how will anything ever happen to him?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which Good is Hmm. Which is or good or bad. And you know, that's another statement that kind of stuck sticks with me. I, I watch a lot of cartoons. I have two kids, so you know, I've hmm. I've seen seen them all and memorized the lines. But this is the thing that tells me you've got to be able to experiment. If you take yourself too seriously, you will view failure as a deeply distressing event. But yeah. failure is part of everything you do. At best, yeah. you'll get 50% of your guesses right.
0: Yeah. That's a good odds. I'd take that any day. Um, how do you invest your personal savings, Deepa?
1: So almost all of my money is sitting in the PMS right now, uh, oh. which is uh, I invest eat in your own money. cooking. huh? <laughs> Sorry? Eat your own cooking. Bill Gates oh, yeah. say, mean, You've got I to mean, eat your own dog food. Eat your own dog food. That's, that's how you have to do it. But it's right. not just that. It's just that I don't find it lucrative to spend my time thinking about my investment separately. But so I'd rather be part of the same thing. So no, like...
0: I think that's very good uh, life principle. You gotta have, I mean, that's the ultimate test of your belief in uh, the work you're doing. So, so that's good. Uh we are on the last two steps here. I'm gonna ask you uh, rapid fire questions. So whatever comes to your mind, you gotta blurt it out. Who's the best investor ever?
1: I would say um George Soros. Um, Okay. Uh,
0: if you could meet a historical figure for dinner, who would you like to meet? And what would you ask them? Wow. Historical, le- dead, or I mean, even alive, if they are prominent enough.
1: Well, that's interesting. I probably, um, there's a, there's a, he's not a very prominent person. I don't know if this would qualify. Ed no, it's fine.
0: Yeah. It's a figure. And uh, I'm interested in hearing why you picked them. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, so uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Ed sikota who is a uh, uh, trend-following trader in the U.S. He's probably one of the most interesting uh, investors in the world, and uh, at least in my book. And um, he said something once, and said the uh, you always get what you want from markets. And mm-hmm. then he's established this into a larger thing, saying it's not. Sometimes it's not profits is what you want from markets. You want entertainment. You'll get that. (laughs) And uh, so that's how it starts. But the philosophy is much wider, right? So I think I'd like to grill him or talk to him about this and say, you know, what what made you realize that Hmm. uh, the emotions that drive the markets are superior to the markets themselves.
0: Interesting. Uh, If you could only watch one movie all day over and over on repeat, what would it be?
1: Whoa! Okay, I have done this with a movie called Shole, which is <laughs> yeah, uh, that's
0: like a generational favorite. Mm.
1: Yes, it's and I've done it mostly because that was the only movie to which I for which I had a tape
0: mm-hmm. at the
1: time. Um, uh, so that was by this thing, but uh, beyond that, there's actually it's a it's a cartoon movie called Up. Mm -hmm. It is very strangely inspiring to me and Mm -hmm. I have actually watched it on loop a couple of times. Um, uh, Not for anything else but I think you know something in it uh, says you know it's never too old to change, it's never too uh, and then, never too
0: then, crazy to visualize anything, you know. Anything, I remember so. the house floating over to the to the falls in South South America. South America. That's South uh,
1: America, yeah. that's, that's yeah. and you know pretty interesting statements of uh, I, some of the statements here are truly profound. But you know they're a cartoon movie, so you don't take them seriously, right? So sure. But but I find some of these statements very strangely inspiring. So I don't know if I'd watch a movie on loop all the time. You know, you would get bored of up in three times. I'm That's fine. Sure, right.
0: but, but but you have done it. Yes. Uh, you're accomplished guy. What uh, is an achievement that may be small, others might not know about it, but you feel very good about it. What is something that you um, feel really proud of uh, uh, an achievement and act?
1: Well, you know, this is a very strange thing. My only academic achievement in my entire life and... Uh, this is probably uh, because I'm talking like literally from the time I was ever giving exams to even now mm-hmm. <clears throat> was my 12th standard academic results, and I perhaps that's the only thing that ever made me feel that I was um, I was I was a little different. Now, it, you know, I got a, a two-digit rank in the state. Uh, I was in Karnataka state at that time which was to me also quite surprising. Now, nobody mm-hmm. in my family had even got a four-digit rank till then. <laughs> so uh, I, w- I would have been happy with a four-digit rank. But uh, the fact that I did that at the time when um, there was a tragedy in the family, there was a lot of things happening, and uh, the f- that probably is the small thing that I remember as something I've done. That is probably interesting. But I mean, of course, the greater things in life are I built a company. That's good. All of that stuff is Look, You
0: you only know the context in which you achieve. And sometimes things which may not appear great to others in your context were really moving. So I appreciate that. Um, Deepak, we could keep talking forever. But um, the last question I have for you is what is brand Deepak Shinoi in your own words?
1: Oh, okay. This is interesting. I, I did start off trying to build brand Deepakshana. I wanted to build a brand that was the company and the company's capital mind and so on. But it seems to be that people associate people with brands and brands with people. And in the financial world, it's more important because you see the names, they're Merrill Lynch, they're Goldman Sachs. They're, all of the names of the founders are in there because they inspire confidence. Uh, to me, building that brand meant be honest be trustworthy and have integrity so that when people look back at anything that you've said and even if you're, what you've said is wrong or wildly inaccurate it will not be dishonest or lacking integrity or somehow trying to pull a fast one on somebody else so if you word if you just stick with that i think over the long term uh, the results will somehow flow uh, it may not always work out in your favor but the fact is you can't go wrong doing this, but you can be very wrong if you try to uh, get short-term gains at the expense of integrity, trust, or honesty.
0: Okay. So the honest teacher of financial markets, that's Deepak Shinoi, our brand for today. Deepak, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend.
1: Thanks, Sandeep. It was great and I wish you all the best. Thank you.